This is Dr. David Pomeroy, your host on ADHD Focus. I wanted to remind you that the show is not intended to be a recommendation for diagnosis or treatment of any condition for any specific person. Please consult your mental health professional or doctor managing your ADHD or mental health issues about any diagnosis or treatment related information that you hear on the show. Refer your ADHD provider to the show if he or she would like more information. Thank you. Today, my guest is Tamara Rosier. She's the founder of the ADD Center of West Mission, Western Michigan. Also, the author of Your Brain's Not Broken, one of the best ADHD books I've read. I think it's a great approach. Um, she has unique insights, a very informal, easy to read style, and some really good um, approaches, particularly in terms of visualizing yourself doing things or saying things, uh, especially in the topic of boundaries, which is what we'll be talking about today. Tamara, welcome back. Uh, thank you. I love talking with you. So I'm so glad to be back. So thank you. Oh, great. So boundaries, I'm, there are many, many books about it. And oh I think from all different directions, I don't, and I've certainly not read all of them or don't know about all of them, but I don't know of one that looks at ADHD issues and ways to define those, which I think are are great as far as something that's important for us. We can impulsively go in another direction uh, or, yeah, yeah, that sounds interesting. And we commit to doing seven things when we may have time to do two Um so there are a lot of different things where boundaries can help. Yeah. I, you know, I'm wondering if maybe we should start by talking about why ADHD people need boundaries. Good. Because yep. that, we, yeah. um, and for those listeners who don't know, I have ADHD. And I do as well. So we're talking from experience. Like we know mm -hmm. Um, when we're talking about boundaries, we're not saying, gosh, you should. Yes. We're like, yeah, this is where we struggle too. Mm -hmm. Right. So I just want to remind your you know, listeners that, you know, yeah. yeah, you're talking, you're listening to two people who have to evaluate their boundaries. Mm -hmm. So, and I, I'd love to hear what you think about your patients too. So I see my clients come in and they lack boundaries uh, with themselves and with mm -hmm. others. And for two really, well, there's a lot of reasons, but I see one as people pleasing. Mm -hmm. In other words, you know what? People already see me as a screw up and I'm tired of being a screw up. So I'm just going to say yes to everyone and hope to, that they'll be happy with me. And I think that's one of those things that grows out of our experience in childhood where yeah. we know we're trying really hard. And everyone else is saying, try harder, you're dumb, you're lazy, whatever. Yeah. And so we figure, okay, I'm going to try to please everybody and I'm going to do it perfectly so I get no criticism. So perfectionism is another thing that comes in there. See, perfectionism is another reason why, believe it or not, why we don't set boundaries. Because, mm -hmm. I, you know, you would think, well, if I'm... A perfectionist, I'll set good boundaries. 
Well, no. no, a lot of like I'll have clients that will spend 18 hours working on a college paper. Yep. I'll say, well, you know, that's a bit much for a three page paper. Yeah. Granted, yeah. The boundaries on University our time. Of Michigan, we haven't... But yeah, yeah, you're at University of Michigan. But you know what? That's a ridiculous amount for a three page. Yeah. So what's a boundary on that? And they're like, mm-hmm. Tamara, I just can't do boundaries here. And so that's an example of boundary with because they, they fell into the perfectionistic trap. Of, and so, yeah, if the if the boundaries aren't there, then we have to look at, OK, what's behind the fact that you're having trouble setting the boundary? Yeah. And that's exactly. the people pleasing perfection and all those. Yeah. Another reason we don't have good boundaries. <laughs> uh, this one hits me hard is impulsiveness. Yep. And, you know, I, I don't like to talk about my own impulsiveness because it's like my secret little shame, right? My meds wear off. And guess what? I want to eat potato chips. Not just a little bit. I want to eat a lot of potato chips. And for those of you who haven't heard me talk about this, potatoes are my vice in the world. Ah, okay. They're not okay. great for me. French fries, potato chips, you name it. I want potatoes. Okay. And, and I, you know, I don't drink, I don't smoke. I don't even eat sugar in sucrose form, but you know what? Potatoes give me potatoes. I, and I find I, like there's a witching hour for me where I start to lose my boundary around eating. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so many people say, yeah, I know my meds have worn off because I'm voraciously hungry or I decide I'm, mistaking him on the weekend, man, I was eating everything I could. Um, And some of that's that rebound part. And I think then when we find, oh, I'm hungry, Ah, pie, um, donuts, potatoes, whatever. Um, Yeah. I mean, potatoes are a ridiculous vice. I mean, I'm sure someone's going, seriously, that's your vice? They're they're a lot healthier than many. And I, the other place, (laughs) I see the impulsiveness coming in is when there's interest in, oh, yeah, that sounds like a great thing on a committee or um, project to take on. Or, yeah, I'll volunteer for that. There's that impulsiveness and interest. And so you get overcommitted. Yes. Well, yes. In building on what you just said, I think, um, and I know uh, you've read this in the book, I talk about the difference between convergent and divergent thinking. Mm-hmm. And uh, ADHD folks tend to think divergently, which means we take one idea and blow it into 150 pieces. Well, it, boundaries are even harder because we're like, okay, but was it just potato chips or was it also French fries? And then I almost start this weird negotiation within myself. Mm-hmm. And it's a divergent thinking exercise. And it's like, stop it. You know what you're doing. And so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of reasons why we have a hard time with boundaries. Oh, by the way, rejection sensitivity kind of goes in with people pleasing, but who boy, that's a big one. Yeah. Right. And that's got, again, I think some origins in the past and, and, uh, you know, the, the emotional filter center that alerts us, whether there's something that has possible danger or emotional significance is right next to the memory center. And so 
yep. bang, um, that's a connection. Once it heads down that emotional path, there's no uh, connection to the thinking about it path. Um, yeah, but- I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because now, now that we talked about maybe why we lack poor, poor boundaries, the next thing is where do we mm-hmm. lack poor boundaries? And obviously we lack them with ourselves and others, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start with the others category though, because a lot of times our emotional dysregulation leads us to do things and to say things and behave in certain ways, contrary to the people we want to be. Yes. Yes. Our, our future self is thinking, why in heck did you do yeah. that? Right. Or, you know, I talk about it like your ideal self in, the, in this version yeah. of yourself that showed up and mm-hmm. it's just really mad about something. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how the emotional dysregulation can really screw up our relationships. Oh, absolutely. I think that's, yeah. that's huge. Um, and so, and, yeah, all the way along. Yeah. Well, and, and then when we think about emotional boundaries with our, or boundaries with ourselves, a lot of times I see ADHD folks going, Hey, listen, I was really good. And I did a lot of adulting today. So I'm just going to eat a whole bag of potato chips today. Yes. I get to have rationale. They're like, yes. Right. And the play, the biggest place or the most common place I see that is, well, the kids are in bed. Everything's quiet. Now it's my time, but that starts at 1030 at night. And the boundary to, going to bed isn't there because you get interested and you watch the next Netflix, you uh, read the next chapter, whatever it is, or you get hyper-interested in, I've got to find the exact right pair of shoes to go to this and you're stuck in Amazon and there it goes. And you're, it's only going to take me half an hour and an hour and a half later. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then two hours later, you're like, whoopsies. Yes, I knew I should do that. And part of that, that boundaries um, and the, in terms of the, my time, there's one, um, I haven't seen a study about it, but one kind of survey that a person developed looking at um, how much people contact and self-time, non-people contact do people need. And people with ADD have a greater need for personal time. That that, that so, rings true with everything that happens to my clientele. Yeah. yeah. And I'm thinking, yeah, we've been in the world. Well, we're more sensitive to sensory things and there's noises and there's light and there's things moving and the phone rings and the computer beeps and I need time to just not have that. Uh, Well, that's where you're right. I love that you're bringing this up because that we are more sensitive and it does take life takes a toll on us. Mm -hmm. But if we don't have a boundary to go, Hey, I accept this about myself. 
So I need an hour of downtime starting at nine o'clock to 10 o'clock. Oh, I used to have a, a joke with my kids saying, Bobby goes off duty at 8.30. There you go. So unless something is coming out of a place that it shouldn't, like, you know, you're vomiting or you're bleeding out your ear, you know, if something's yeah. happening, come and get me. But that's at a 10. Otherwise, you've been put to bed for the night. So yeah. you work it out, honey. <laughs> like. I oh, because I wanted them to know I would come off. I would come back on duty for an emergency. They could always count on me. But I, and to be honest, I'm not that good of a human after nine. I, I'm a little bit more impatient. Yeah. I'm tired. I can't think straight. <laughs> well, I was so, thinking on this, you know, me time and looking back at one of the other things you had in the book as far as balancing your day and recharging your batteries of having, and that's taking me time to say, okay, I've done half an hour or an hour on this task that I had to get done. I have to recharge and looking at Instagram is not a good way to do it, but each of that 10 or 15 minutes, even though it's 10 minutes, you step outside, breathe some fresh air. Um, you do some, I'm going to sit in quiet when I can find it, take some deep breaths, do some stretching. That's personal time. So you're building that up in the bank and you don't have to struggle all day. And ah, finally at 1030, I get some time. Exactly. Uh, you know, it's interesting you say that. So I just took my 20 minutes break before this interview. Um, And what that looked like for me was, um, you know, technically it's called Shavasana in yoga. Other people might call it a 15 minute nap. But what I do is I literally lie on the floor in a fully relaxed position and I allow my entire body to relax. Now I live in Michigan, so it's not, it's, it's gross weather outside. It's just gray. It's like an Ansel Adams photograph. We don't want to be outside. Like here too. Yeah. Now during the summer, I'll actually take a walk around my house, maybe Mm -hmm. pick a couple weeds. Uh, I have chickens, so I might go visit my chickens. Uh, You know, I could spend 20 minutes kind of rebooting that way, uh, sitting in sunshine. Mm -hmm. So I have a boundary with myself that I need two, I call them reboots per day. Okay. That's a good one. And I literally schedule them into uh, my day. Mm-hmm. And it's be- because I I really need that just kind of to put myself back together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, um, I find myself usually telling my patients all kinds of different things, suggesting, and then I stop and think, okay, have you gotten out of this three rooms all day? No. <laughs> you have a, <laughs> a window that looks into a bunch of ivy about 10 feet away. That's the outside. Yeah. Unless I'm going through the main area of the office, and that has some windows looking at a bank of uh, bark coming down. That's 20 yeah. feet away. And 
okay, get up, go outside, walk for five, 10 minutes in the parking lot, but you're getting outside, you're seeing things. And that break, if, if I took the breathing thing, then I'm into that, whatever you call the yoga one, because I can do that sitting in a chair, uh, a yeah. 15 minute power nap. That's yeah. a great superpower for anybody who has it. Yeah. And that's the well, reason. I've actually trained myself to do it. Uh, if I'm in the office all day, so, you know, many days I have the luxury for working from home, but the days that I go into the office, my office is 45 minutes away and there's, you know, other people there who work in the office with me, right? Great people. I love them, mm -hmm. but I never get the alone time because people are trying to catch me. Oh, hey, Tamara, did you, you know, figure out this? Did you do this? And, you know, people are talking yep. to me. Uh, I literally have a pillow and a blanket and I'll take it mm -hmm. out of my basket and I'll go in one, one of the rooms. Uh, we have eight rooms uh, that people kind of work in and I'll take a 25 minute nap or 25 mm -hmm. minute rest. Uh, and that's, you know, during the winter when I can't walk around. The The point here is the boundary with myself is, look, I love being good for people. I can't keep my battery charged. And it just yes. takes 20 minutes for me. And, now I yeah. can hear someone going, oh, no, no, I need a three hour nap to do that. Well, yeah, then unfortunately you aren't someone who can take power naps and Right. Don't do that because then you've messed up your total sleep cycle because right. it yep. thinks you're starting exactly. over. Um, exactly. So what we, we want to be really careful because, it, it, you know, this research, the research shows 20 minutes is ideal for a recharge mm -hmm. of sleep, 15 to 20 minutes. Um, and the military helped us figure that out too, right? So you can get trained to do it. Most of my clients are too sleep deprived to actually master that's the 20 it. minute yep. nap. Right. So, so the idea the, is, yep. What is your boundary with yourself for resetting during the day? And mm -hmm. you know what I just realized? We didn't give the metaphor uh, for boundaries yet. Should we give the metaphor to everyone? Yes. Yes. Okay. The house and yard. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So uh, in the book, I write about, here, here's the way I think about boundaries because I wasn't raised having any boundaries at all. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, I was raised in a wonderful, uh, you know, area that said, you just make other people happy. And that's really your job in life, which is interesting and loving, but not always kind to yourself. Yes. So, uh, so I, I kind of worked with this metaphor of imagine that you have a house mm -hmm. and this house is yours and no one else lives in this house, but you, mm -hmm. and this is where my clients go. Well, what about my husband? I'm like, he has a house right next door, <laughs> but you, you have go. two separate houses. Yes. Yes. And, exactly. And, and right now this kind of baffles a lot of my clients brains because they're like, wait, well, I think other people live in my house. I'm like, no one lives in this house, but yes. you. This is your visualize you, whether you want to call it a tiny house or you have a mansion, but right. it is yours. No one else can come in and it's okay to have that. Exactly. That's right. Now um, I'm married to a wonderful man. 
but he and I still have separate houses. But, you know, those talks that you have with your spouse that you have these deep little moments where you're like, wow, we're really sharing, you know, just mm-hmm. our soul's desire when we're talking. And let me tell you, that's, that's, that's rare because we're busy. Right. 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 But, um, we, we have those moments. Well, those are moments where I invite him into the house. We sit on the couch metaphorically mm-hmm. in my house and we're talking on this deeper level. He's mm-hmm. invited in. Now there's some rules I have around my husband and these are my boundaries. I'm going to welcome you into my house. And because I've welcomed you in, you're not going to stay there forever. And you can even look around and go, Hey, Tam, I saw that closet. You want to think about cleaning that out? Mm -hmm. And metaphorically, that closet could represent like, I don't know, holding a grudge against a boss from 20 years ago, or I'm just making stuff up. Like, you know, yeah, those rubbish that I'm keeping around my own house. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He might point it out, but it's not his job to clear them out. It's not his job to redecorate my house. It's not his job to do anything. Yeah, you and get, I have uh, a lot of clients who their mother comes into their house metaphorically. Yes, <laughs> and, let, and says, "Let me tell you all that's wrong with your house right now." And sometimes it's not metaphorically, which is <laughs> well, that's exactly what one of my one of my clients said. Okay, now I'm confusing the metaphor because she literally comes to my house and rearranges. Yes, there's that like, house, physical house that you are living <laughs> in. And there's this visual. Yes. Yeah. Um, so one of the rules that I have, my personal boundaries is unless I ask for help, don't give me your help. Hmm. It, and that's a good boundary to have. Yeah. In other words, unless I ask you into my house, and say, hey, what do you think about this personal issue I'm struggling with? You really don't have the right to give me your opinion. Mm-hmm. Now, remember, the house is the most intimate part of me. Like, that's like, like not a lot of people get into my house, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the house sits on a yard. And a y- the yard is where I have my people around me. Mm-hmm. And sociologists think that the yard kind of maxes out around 15 people. Okay. And around this yard, we have a fence. So it's a defined space or one should really consider putting up a fence. Yes. There's the boundary. Otherwise, people are just traipsing in and out. Because mm-hmm. let me talk about your yard people. Your yard people are the ones who, like my family, those are the people in my yard. I've got four of the most amazing children and they have four of the most amazing spouses slash boyfriends. And I have to tell you last Christmas that we all had together, we've had rough times, but it was one of those magical, beautiful times where we were kind of sitting around metaphorically in the yard, just enjoying each other's company. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was just really good. And it was magical, you know? Yep. So sometimes people come into your yards, though, and they do foul things in your yard, right? Mm -hmm. And as one of my clients said, she was just such a hoot. She's like, oh, I have a lady from church who poops in my yard. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. 
Yeah. And, and they but, bring but all like their stuff in. Yeah, they bring all their junk. And and then another uh, person told me, you know what? I have someone who comes in and tries to dig up my yard and put rearrange things. Mm-hmm. And so the idea here is we need a set of rules for people who are in our yard. In other words, they don't always come in our house. And by the way, every once in a while, um, I'll invite one of my children into the house and go, hey, here are some thoughts I'm having about me, not about you, but about me. I would love your mm-hmm. feedback on that. Uh huh. And I have all my children are adults, by the way. Uh, I have these kids who like understand that that was that sacred ground where that happens. Yeah. And yeah. Do that to model how they can ask me into their house. But let me be clear as a mom, I don't enter their house. Mm-hmm. That is not without invitation. Right. Not without invitation. And when they do call, I'm always very clear. Like, are you asking for this kind of help? Are you asking for this kind of feedback? Mm -hmm. Because I really respect my adult children's boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. About the fence. The fence has a little gate and the fence is just tall enough to keep out the riffraff. Okay. So some people have huge stone structures like you see in England, right? Yes. With I'm spikes not talking on about the metal that. gate and yeah. <laughs> Buckingham with, Palace. Yeah, with skull and bone saying, do not enter. Right. That's not what I'm talking about is a healthy fence. It's healthy enough to look over, but to go, you're going to know when you're in my yard when you cross this boundary, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I Most of the world is on the other side of the fence. And that's okay. That that's not bad. A lot of my clients are like, well, that's that feels sad. And it feels sad to them because they're trying to that usually tells me they're trying to people please too many people. Mm-hmm. And I've got to have more and more people in my yard so that um I can make sure I'm taking care of everything they need. Exactly. They yep. can ask and yep. I'll go into their yard. Exactly. Like, I mean, I have a whole business of walking into other people's yards, right? It's called coaching. Yeah. And mine, two people let me into their yards all the time. And probably some, I say, can I come into your house? Right. Uh, And sometimes I need to. Um, Exactly. But I'm always careful and will ask my client like, hey, I want to make a house observation. Are you okay if I make mm -hmm. a house observation right now? And because I, I'm asking for permission because I am showing them, I respect your boundary. A lot uh-huh. of times, this is the first time people have felt that kind of respect. So let's back to the fence. You know, I can just take my cup of tea, walk over to my fence, lean on my fence, and I can talk to any one of the neighbors I have. Mm-hmm. Yep. Doesn't mean they're in my yard. I'm, I can still very cordial. But I have a different type of relationship with those people. Mm-hmm. They're they're farther away from my house. Yep. And so again. before I yeah before I worked with this metaphor, I didn't have a house. I didn't have a yard. I just had a loose definition of who I was, and that I was just acting out to try to please everyone. Yeah, and so and I, my clients are exhausted from that. And I do and think I we get 
the message, not just with ADHD, but the message that, well, you have to welcome people into your life, unless they're obvious people that no one wants in their lives. Um, and then we get overcommitted, we get over overloaded sensory overload because there's yeah. so many people and I get this appointment and somebody calls and the interruptions. Yeah. So we're setting ourselves up to multiply the kinds of things that bother us. Yeah, that's exactly it. And so if we don't have that self-definition of the house and then the definition of who's in our yard. So I got to tell you, my yard people will take priority over everyone else. Mm-hmm. It's where I decide to invest my energy with my yard people, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, The house is where I go to regenerate, you know, that quiet time we were talking about earlier. Uh Uh, I also have to do some spring cleaning every once in a while. Like, oh, hey, you're still hanging on to that. What's that about? Yeah, I'd like to talk about that a little bit because I think it was great again in the book, the being able to visualize, okay, I'm going into this room and my goodness, it's all full of boxes. I can't get over to that window box I had with some flowers in it because I've got this box and, oh, I'm not going to open that right now, but I can see that's the one where my brother beat me up and I'm still ticked off at him. That was when we were eight and we're now in our forties. <laughs> right. <laughs> or, um, right. Those kinds of, and that's that emotional wounding that's there. Yeah. And some of them are much, much more serious and harder yes. to deal with. And that's where having some help and opening the box, you invite right. a therapist in with you. Exactly. Deal yep. with. So if you box. do have those boxes, um, you know, if you do have those boxes, like I can't even walk into this room, seek, seek therapy fast because yeah. that's what therapists do. And frankly, that's a difference between a coach and a therapist. A mm-hmm. therapist is the implication is I will enter your house and help you open those boxes of unwanted junk. Right. I help mm-hmm. you redecorate so that your house looks healthier and cleaner. Coaches are like, so, are you protecting your house? And who's in your yard? What's happening yeah. here? Let's look at let's look at that fence, shall yeah. we? And, yeah, now, therapists how, will do that also. But how, yeah, how can you set up those boundaries on the yard so other people, other projects, whatever, aren't yeah coming in all the time? Yeah, because that's self care. So boundaries are really self care, and I know they a lot are. of people think, well, I can't tell that person I don't want to talk with them or I can't tell them I don't have three days a week out of my seven day week to help them or always be on the phone. Yes, you can. It's okay. Yeah. If that person has a problem with it, that person has a problem. And who owns that? Right. Mm -hmm. Who owns that? And that person, uh, it's funny. uh, I'm working on my next book. Uh, and it's about ADHD and families. And it's so funny because one of the, the main points of this book is who owns that problem? If someone's angry at you, do you really have something to apologize for? Or 
do they just, aren't they, are they just not happy with your boundary? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we have to realize that the other person may not have a clean house. Maybe they don't have a house at all. And yeah, they could use some help with the boundaries, but those are their problems. I can't build someone else's house. No. Well, okay. Let's talk about those compulsive helpers. (laughs) <laughs> shall we? Because okay. some eating people are just kind of compulsive helpers mm-hmm. and they see someone and they're like, oh my goodness, your yard is a mess. Let me just help you. Or, you know, wow, I can see your house is it's in ramshackles. I, I know a lot about houses. I'm a house builder. I'm just going to build your house for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We cannot do that. Um, Therapists cannot do that. Coaches cannot do that. Doctors cannot do that. The Mm -hmm. only one who can take care of your own house is the person who owns the house. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it's, I I talk to parents a lot about increasing their tolerance for their children's pain. Uh Uh-huh. Because uh, at first they're like, well, that sounds, that doesn't sound, I don't like that at all. (laughs) Like, let's not do that. But building a house usually happens in late or early adolescence. It begins and it doesn't really formulate until around 30s. And the building process is exhausting. Mm -hmm. And you'll see the house change a little bit throughout that time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um... And parents are right there going, well, I, I, I am a master builder. And I built my own house and look at the blueprints for this. Uh-huh. And they're not letting their kid build their house and because and, they see their kids struggle. Right. And I think that to me also points up uh, something that's in our, somehow has come to be part of our society where everyone's a winner. Well, not all the time. And the other one is, well, I can't let you fail so right. I'm going to either overprotective parent, helicopter parent, I'm going to make sure you succeed. But yeah. learning is trying and then failing. And then you yep. try a different way. And okay, your teacher is a coach. Hey, let's do it this way. Um, I'm reminded of uh, a story about Thomas Edison, who apparently tried a thousand times before he came up with the light bulb that worked and someone asked him, how did it feel to fail 999 times? He said, I didn't fail. I just learned 999 ways. It didn't work. Yeah. See, see, that's a difference between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. And, And what's so important is we have to have the right mentality around our boundaries and house. So I used to be ashamed of the house that I had and I'd be like, oh no, don't look at my house. It's not finished yet. It's, it's, and now I'm like, no, no, no. I understand. I have a house and I have a right to a house. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't talk about this a lot, but this is important to bring up here. Uh, I have a history of a past relationship with narcissists. Hmm. And uh, ADHD folks are kind of low-hanging fruit for a narcissist. 
Yes, because so. of the lack of boundaries. Yes, Stephanie Sarkis does some great work talking about um, narcissists and other profiles like that. And, you know, I really want your listeners to really wrap their head around boundaries. And you don't have to read my book for boundaries. You and I were talking about the Cloud and Townsend book called Boundaries, you mm-hmm. know, the grandfather of boundaries. Yes, yes. Um, but but I want your read, your readers, I keep saying readers, uh, your listeners to really get their head around. I am low hanging fruit for people of poor boundaries themselves. Yes. And they definitely want to not only build your house, look into it any one time, they build the fence and don't let anyone in. Yes. They want to. And that's the trap. Um, yep. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in my case, uh, the narcissist was like, you know what? Your house is always too ugly for me. And, you know, I didn't know I'm letting him in. He's crashing everything around going, well, dump this, dump this. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's, I didn't understand. Uh, and back then I was like, almost letting anyone into the house. Uh it really, my, my self-concept in my twenties and thirties was so poor. And, um, and, and I think I, ADHD was a huge. Oh, I think so. And I come back to, I think the experiences we had growing up with ADHD, when we didn't know we had it, our yep. parents, our teachers didn't. And right. uh, one of the, um, examples this was out of the cloud townsend book um was a person from another planet where there wasn't gravity didn't have to eat you kind of got nourishment by osmosis there wasn't money all of a sudden he ends up on earth and first of all he walks out of his spaceship and he falls on the ground because he never dealt with (laughs) gravity then he wonders what the sensation is, but he doesn't like it. Talks with someone and, oh, you're hungry. Here, go to the diner. Great. Goes to the diner, has some food, and they say, oh, $15. What's a dollar? What do you mean? Uh, big argument. The police come and put him in jail because he didn't pay. Um, yeah. And he didn't know, so he was ignorant of the way things worked on our world and with the metaphor of the jail he's a prisoner of his own ignorance he didn't know and he's imprisoned by that growing up with adhd but not knowing it we're a prisoner of our ignorance we don't know how to get out of that but parents are and they can be well-meaning and trying to help but they don't know how to because our brains well, maybe our brains work the way theirs do because they also have ADHD, yeah. and neither of us know we have it. Um, so you know, I like I like where you're going on this because I, so something I kind of alluded to is I had to give my my children the gift that wasn't given to me. I had to give my my children their boundaries. So one of the rules we had when they were uh, growing up is we would do something called a debrief, like after like a meltdown, a bad behavior, whatever incident happened, 
there would be a cooling off time and then a time to debrief. And I would model giving the boundaries when I said, hey, we have to do a debrief. And let me be clear, you don't leave your room until this debrief is fully done. Mm -hmm. But it's now a good time for you. Have you cooled off enough? And are you ready to do this? And if the child said no, they'd say, awesome, I'll come back in about 10 minutes and check in again. Or if they yelled and screamed and stomped away, you figured, okay, I know that means no. Yeah, yeah exactly. Or um, there's times, uh, you know, event X would happen and it, frankly, it pissed me off. And so yeah. my kid would be like, okay, I'm ready to do the debrief because I really want to go play with the neighbor kids. And I'd say, you know what? I'm not ready yet. I'm not in the calmest state I need to be to be in a problem solving yeah. state. Yeah. And-, and I remember one of my little girls saying, could you hurry up and get into that state? <laughs> <laughs> could you? Here's your blanket and pillow, mommy. Go yeah. take a nap. Could you hurry up? <laughs> and I said, well, you know, it, and I wasn't being punitive when I said it. I was really ticked. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she was a little jerk in Target. And I was, I was upset. Yeah. I cooled down. I met, I showed, you know, that I could, I went into my house. I'm like, listen, kids are kids. I did a good talk with myself, came out, had a debrief with her, but I was teaching her boundaries and I was modeling my own boundaries at the same time. And I think this gets back into we with ADHD need to know that self-regulation of our emotions is a self-regulation of a lot of things, but our emotions particularly, that's a problem of ADHD. And when we're aware of that, then we can learn about the boundaries part, helping with emotions, letting, I need to calm down and you need to, or I'm going to wait until I see that you have. And that takes practice. It doesn't just Oh, now I know about that. Good. We'll start yep. doing that. Um, well, it, it, none of this is possible if you don't have a good understanding of your house. You've yes, got to start yes, the house. Yes. Where Where do I end and others begin? And and what what's what do I have to do to maintain myself? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we need to end for this time because we're going to have more conversations like this for sure. Um, one well, anytime because I love talking with you. I just great, thank love you. Your insight. That's that's mutual, and I think uh, to kind of sum up everything we've talked about with boundaries, having your house, building your own house, you get to clean it out the way you want to, when you want to, uh, and then having the yard is, and I'm using a quote I saw somewhere else, giving yourself the gift of a life from which you do not want to escape. Wow. Isn't that something? That is something. Well done, sir. Well done. Uh, I love it. And I love, because that's the ultimate goal of boundaries. Exactly. That can give you that life. Yeah. Good. Love it. See, this is why you're a pro. Awesome. <laughs> um, that's my associational mind in ADD because I read it somewhere totally unrelated to any yeah. academics or book. And I thought, 
bingo. So that's a little thing I wrote out. That's on my refrigerator. Um, Love it. Because that keeps me in mind of what I'm aiming for. Exactly. Well, listeners, I hope you have enjoyed the conversation I've had with Tamara Rosier uh, on boundaries and the discussion springs from her book, Your Brain's Not Broken. I would commend it to all of you and thank you for listening. Uh, We'll catch you next time.